0: Hi, and welcome to This Property Life podcast. I'm Caroline Claydon. I'm a property investor and trainer. And each week, my friends and I will be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking to Daniel Sim, who is a UK property investor based in Singapore. Daniel and his wife Joanna started investing in the UK back in 2012 after buying a property in Malaysia, which turned out to be a disaster investment. Daniel discusses how he started with HMOs as his initial UK strategy and continues with that strategy today as he can be very hands off and live his life in Singapore, uh, spending quality time with his children. In just one 12-bed HMO, Daniel created enough cash flow to replace the average salary in Singapore. He talks about the huge mindset shift he needed to start investing overseas and how his hunger to succeed helped him overcome any challenges he faced when he had a lack of resources. I know you're going to love this episode. Let's now hear from Daniel. today we are joined by Daniel Sim who is based out in sunny Singapore oh I'm so jealous (laughs) and I met Daniel oh 2012 many moons ago now and in one deal in one 12-bed HMO you replaced the average salary in Singapore Daniel and now you are still investing today and doing phenomenal things so welcome and thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us uh, today. Great
1: thanks for having me Caroline.
0: No worries. So talk me through, first of all, uh, how did you come to decide to invest in the UK market when you're based out in Singapore? How did that happen?
1: Mm, yeah, that's a really good question, right? Let's. I get that question a lot, like, why the UK? <laughs> how do you even get started? Uh, well, I mean, for, for me, I don't come from a uh, family that's very wealthy. Growing up, you know, money was always a source of tension in the household. So I was always looking for, how could I make my money work harder rather than just me working so hard for money, right? Um, And I read lots of books, I attended lots of courses, lost a lot of money in stocks and what have you. Uh, And, you know, property in Singapore is so expensive, like if you just buy a small flat or a condominium, it's going to be in excess of a million dollars, like, you know, probably six, seven, eight hundred thousand pounds for a small flat. Um, And yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense in terms of cash flow as well. So, but but then again, Asians are intrinsically attracted to property, right? Because you know that there's some intrinsic value there. So I was always searching for the opportunity. So when I, I actually came across uh, this, this uh, event where I went to in Singapore and Robert Kiyosaki was on stage and he was saying, if you want to learn how to be financially free and get more time freedom, have money work hard for you, you need to learn how to invest in property for passive income. And I was like... Wait what what do you say <laughs> let me learn about that yeah so that's really how he started
0: okay so it was robert kiyosaki to blame all right good so <laughs> whenever i've been out to singapore um the mentality with property is very much buying for capital growth mm. so the buying for cash flow must have been quite a new concept so going from thinking about buying for cash flow and maybe understanding the entry point price-wise into Singapore is quite challenging. How do you make the leap then to suddenly go the UK market? What is it about the UK market that is so attractive to you?
1: Mm. Well, the interesting thing is I actually started investing back in 2011 before we met Caroline in a property in Asia, in Malaysia, in Penang actually, with white beaches and condominiums. And I thought, wow, that's going to be great. I'm going to retire there. I'm gonna rent out the condo and you know get passive income. Uh, however, this is a bit of a sad story because I still own that property and I'm <laughs> quite sad about it. I own it because I I'm basically I'm paying a mortgage of about six thousand ringgit every month. And guess yeah. how much rent I'm collecting?
0: I am a figure. Uh, five thousand.
1: Five thousand. Wow! If I would rent it to you any day, I'm getting a oh. thousand five hundred in rent which is in Singapore dollar terms I think like five or six hundred for a you know three-bedroom condominium and even if I wanted to sell it at a 15-20% loss um, you know nobody would want to buy it because there's so many people trying to sell at the same time so you know that unfortunately I got my fingers burnt right, trying to do it myself, uh, DIY, I thought it was very clever, and, you know, uh, yeah. there was a nice brochure about that, and I I, I thought to myself, yeah, great, I could, um, you know, retire there one day, I love the food, and what have you, all kinds of funny uh, considerations, but I was yeah. not clear on my strategy that I yeah. wanted more passive income, you know, to be with my wife, with my kids, so, you know, to your question, why the UK, it's really because I, I've discovered that, uh, the strategy for passive income works really, really well there. In fact, I think it's one of the best places in the world, as you would know, uh, that, yeah. you know, just generates great passive income, it's stable, uh, it's a tested and proven strategy. So it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm just so grateful to learn from giants like yourself over the years, um, you know, just replicating your success, uh, following the system. And, yeah. and now I'm, I'm helping others do the same as well.
0: Brilliant. Okay, so it will blow our listeners' minds that you are based in Singapore, an eight-hour time difference, a 12-hour flight, and you are securing deals that are generating passive income. Talk us through how um, you did your first deal, for example, that very first deal that managed to replace the average Singaporean salary.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, it's always nervous. I mean, you're always nervous if it's your first deal, right? You're like, wow, is this... Am I gonna do it right? I remember uh, sitting at the computer and and waiting to click send to wire the money's over, and I was like looking at my wife Joe and like telling her oh, I'm not sure if we're doing the right thing you know so yeah. I, I think the first deal is always uh, there are going to be more nerves but what really helped us is having a, a good team on the ground uh, having a good process right to do it, to do our due diligence so it's we knew exactly how much cash flow we're going to make on that deal because we, we did all our numbers all our due diligence up front it wasn't a guess uh, I mean there was no guesswork in the figures uh, yeah. we didn't buy it, hoping it would go up in value as a lot of you know investors in Singapore would do. Yeah. so I think the the biggest reassurance is uh probably having a, a good system to do our due diligence and also having a, a good team on the ground that you can trust um, that are I mean for a remote investor like myself, they are your eyes, your hands, your feet on the ground. so yeah. that's so important yeah
0: yeah. and how many times have you been to the u k? would you say on a, on an annual basis to keep your business going? I mean, whenever I've been out to Asia, people are like, do I have to go to the UK? The weather sucks. Mm. <laughs> and I, I get that. So how many times roughly would you say that you, you come on, on, on an annual basis? Obviously with the global pandemic, it's, it's been, you know, take calm down a little, but roughly speaking. Mm.
1: yeah i get the question a lot because i do share uh, my stories on my deals on social media and all that right and when i meet like friends on the street they're like hey do you just come back from the uk you know this this is pre-covid and i was like no, when did I go to the UK? They say, oh, I saw your post on social media about your pictures of refurbishment and stuff. And I say, oh, no, no, that's my team that's <laughs> sending me an update. You know, they take pictures, videos for me. So it's it's great, right? Like we were talking about the team. It's as if I'm there, but I don't have to be there. Um, but I mean, on an annual basis, pre-COVID, I might go like um, maybe once or twice a year. But it's um, actually it's a, a big part of it is also in the mindset. So even when I'm there like once a year, I'm not like looking at my deals, you know, touching and see if the brick is solid and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, it's really more, you know, meeting people like yourself, right? And, and Nick and having a meal and connecting um, because I think people often think property is about bricks and mortar, which it is. Um, but it's, as, as you and I know, it's, it's so much about the network, uh, about yeah. the relationships and like-minded people that support each other through that journey, which I think, you know, uh, over the years if not for these friendships relationships teams of people that i can trust i I think there's no chance that i'll I'll be you know achieving what i have done so far
0: yeah so you talked about covid i mean Mm. you can't come to the uk and we all know that the property business really is a people business so have you managed to do any deals during covid because everyone thinks oh pandemic property market crash all that kind of stuff what have you been what have you been doing
1: yeah yeah that's yeah actually interestingly last year when you know everything shut down right we can't fly and everything uh we still did deals so the, there was a deal that i i bought uh i actually did refurbishment uh we let out the property and now it's actually cash flowing so for me i i call these properties golden goose properties uh basically every month they lay golden eggs and you know you just enjoy it you know use that to, to fund your lifestyle needs you know pay pays for the kids bills and stuff you know kids are expensive right (laughs) so each property uh, that we buy then goes to fund these things so um, last year yeah it was really a proof of concept for me you know previously even though I I flew once or twice but you know having to do that um, without flying it was really awesome because we could still uh, do our due diligence our teams on the ground could still you know it's basically doing the same thing but the fact that we couldn't fly actually made it Uh, amazing that you you really don't have to fly to own a great asset that that gives you cash flow
0: yeah so what so your very first deal was an hmo which again is quite a big step so you have made some massive leaps forward that even people Mm. based here in the uk would struggle with the fact that you know they're investing money in a a property uh, you're investing in a property and a totally different country and a totally different currency and in a strategy that is quite technical um Mm. Even like new newbies starting here in the UK, they would probably start with buy-to-lets. Um, yeah. I'm assuming you started with HMO because you wanted the bigger cash flow. But talk me through how you managed um, to be confident enough to just go straight in with the big stuff. I mean, a 12-bed HMO is not, you know, a starting point. How did you How did you get to that place?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Actually, the, the first one we did was also a HMO, but it was a smaller one. Uh, I think it okay. was a five-bit HMO. But still, it was really daunting. And like you say, it's, uh, you know, you often don't start with that strategy, right? Uh, you, people start with a buy-to-let. But you're right. We f- It goes back down to to, to our strategy and then my mentor was telling me you know we, we had a goal we were very clear on our goal that we wanted to hit certain cash flow targets uh, and, and we found that you know HMOs were one of the great ways to do it provided you have the right knowledge to do it because like you said there's so much more technicality it's a more advanced strategy right because there's the fire safety there are article four areas and if you don't know what you're doing it, it's, it's just gonna <laughs> be an exciting right so I think you know having the teams on the ground having uh, a good system, um, people to help you through that it really accelerates that that process. Yeah, you don't have to learn it yourself. You don't have to do a trial and error. Uh, and yeah. I think that's the, the the huge value of education as well. Yeah. So I mean, whenever I've heard you speak, Caroline, you know, it's I always. Uh, you know learn a nugget or two that is just so valuable you know even even the listeners uh, listening to this podcast or watching this video uh, if you just pick up one or two things and you apply it it's going to drastically you know dramatically shift or change your life or your your investing success
0: yeah so you must have had loads of money to get started right you were a multimillionaire before you started right Daniel
1: I I wish so (laughs) yeah I mean when we started we, we didn't have a lot of money um but you know, we we had a lot of hunger, I, I would say, we had a lot of passion, we had a, a lot of hunger, and we knew that, you know, there was this time where uh, both my, my wife, Jo, she's, she's a lawyer, so when she was at work, I was then in the military, and I remember very clearly, it was a Thursday night, uh, it was at, I think, ten thirty p.m., and, you know, I texted her and said, hey, honey, are you done at work? And she said, uh, no, I actually have a lot more to do, And the immediate thought that came to my mind is great because I have a lot more work too. Let's work. Let's continue working. And then that hit me so hard that wait a minute, you know, is this the way I want to continue living my life? You know, working till midnight every day. Uh, It was a huge turning point for me actually, and I realized that you know there has I have to find a different way to live, Uh, not just trading my time, trading my energy, um, and growing physically apart from from my wife.
0: Yeah. So how did you? uh raise the money for these deals how did that yeah. come about because again um the mentality particularly in Asia is people are quite closed books they don't like to talk about their business they don't like to talk about money they just quietly get a lot you know out there you know and, and, and get on with their business so how did you get over the whole concept of having to raise money and ask people to invest
1: Wow, that's a big one, especially for Asians, as you know. It's yeah. uh, it's almost the the stigma, right? Like if you ask someone someone for money, it's like, are you begging? Are you in trouble? You know, yeah. um, like you should never do that, right? You should never talk. Yeah. Some people don't even talk about money, not even talk, not even mention asking for money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think a big part was getting over myself and my mind, uh, because I could see, firstly, the first step is getting myself the right knowledge, uh, being able to find the right deals. That, that would generate, you know, at least six seven eight uh, percent yields, you know, generate a positive cash flow. Because prior to that, I had no clue that these deals existed. I, I had no clue you could buy a terrace house in the UK for, you know, a hundred thousand pounds or even less because in Singapore, a terrace house going cost you a few million dollars, right? So it's like, what? You could buy a terrace house there. So the right knowledge, the right teams, um, the right skills to find the right deals. And I think, was it you, Caroline, who, who shared this, you know, once you find the right deal, that the money will come to it, right? So yeah. it, having the ability to find the right deal first uh, and, you know, it's, it's all about leverage, isn't it? So uh, people, there are, there are people out there who have money uh, who may not have the time or the know-how to invest. And you know, conversely, like I mentioned at the start, we were so hungry. We had we didn't have the all the resources we needed, but we had the knowledge. We we made sure we get we got ourselves educated, we got ourselves a good team to support us. So working with people who have been there, done that, you know, and, and riding, you know, standing on the shoulders of, of these giants. Uh, and we had the time, we had the time, we had the knowledge. The only thing we didn't have was the resources, which actually put ourselves in an even better position because there were a lot of people with resources, um, monies that they park their money in fixed deposits or, you know, agents are good at saving, right? So we we shovel our money away and it's basically earning zero or 1% interest. Right. Um, So just helping them see that, you know, if you don't make use of this money, you're making a loss every year. And a big shift in my mindset is if I don't reach out to help these people, you know, either build their property portfolios or give them a better return on their money, I'm actually doing them a disservice, right? So I'm actually, uh, by asking them or by, by helping them invest in property... Uh, they should be thanking me you know and so it was a whole turnaround of of the the mindset yeah
0: it is the mindset isn't it that whole win-win I think when people think about asking for money or raising money they're thinking like they've got a begging bowl saying please sir give me some money but actually you are just giving them a better return on their money and you are in the perfect location I mean when we first met the (laughs) interest rates in the UK were much much better than they are today uh, and, but for as long as I've known you, the interest rates in Singapore has always been pretty much yeah. zero. So it's if you time
1: low now, actually,
0: <laughs> what is it now? I think
1: if you go for a variable rate, it's like 1.1, 1. 1, 1. 1.2, a fixed rate, like 1.5. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So, I mean, even if you offer, I mean, when we first met, we were offering angel investors like 12% per annum, mm. um, but you don't even need to pay that because the mentality is, well, that's just too good to be true. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, what were you paying? What were you what were you paying angel investors back in the day when we were paying twelve percent on money, <laughs> money? What were you generally paying? Was it around about five percent?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, most of our, our angel investors, as when we first started, you know, I, I don't go out to fundraise, but it's really more, uh, you know, we grew quite organically. It's friends, um, you know, family. Um, then I was still working, right? So, so meet up for dinner uh, with some colleagues and they're like, oh, what are you doing? So there's a funny story, uh, a, a quick one over dinner um and they were talking about buying kermits and I was like, what is what is a kermit? And, and they say, oh, is it a frog? And they yeah. said, no, it's, it's a Rolex watch. It's, it's a, a frog and it's also a Rolex watch. And they All said, right. are you going to buy a kermit then? You know, we, we, let's buy together. We just got a bonus and stuff like that. Uh, and I was like, um you know what? I don't really collect watches. I collect houses. And I just left it as that. And, you know, they, after after dinner, two of my friends actually approached me and said, "Hey, what? A, wait a minute. What? What do you mean by you collect houses, right?" And then, and then they they asked me about it, and I I started to share what I did. So it was really a helping dynamic because then they're asking me, hey, tell me, you know, what, what is it that you do? Um, how could we get involved? So, yeah, it's really about finding ways to add value. I think it's, it's never about, um, you know, thinking about yourself. How could I raise money for, for yeah. me to earn money? If you, you go down that track, nobody's going to to want to work with you. But it's always about how can I add value to the other person?
0: Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, most of the time when you are raising money from angels, they you don't have to ask. You are just telling them what you do. What's incredible for you sitting out in Singapore is someone is willing to not only invest money with you, but knowing that you're investing that in a totally different country. And in some, in some cases, a country that they may never have been to.
1: That's right. That's right. That's incredible.
0: Yeah. Like that is, that will blow our listeners minds because you know, they're based in, potentially in the UK thinking that raising money in the UK is going to be challenging from people yeah. here in the UK that understand the UK and the property market. And here you are, Raising money from people who are investing in a country they might never have been to before.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've spoken to people in the UK as well, and and sometimes they're like, "What? You mean you flew thirteen hours to come here to buy property?" And I'm I'm here, and I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I think a huge part of it is, you know, I mean, I've lots of Singaporeans actually study in the UK, uh, so they think they know the market. But well, I mean, studying there or even living there all your life is different from, you know, looking at it with the, the lenses of an investor. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like, uh, and, and I think you have coached or helped so many investors in the UK over the years. It's almost like a switch, right? When, when they suddenly, you start to look at things differently because you drive by and you see, oh, opportunity, that's a property, that's distress. Uh, could I refurb that? And whereas previously, you're just, you know, on autopilot, you just don't see all these opportunities, even if they're they're right in front of you.
0: So if you were to, I know that you're helping people in Singapore invest in property in the UK now, which is fantastic. It's like we're spreading, you know, somebody helps you, you help other people. It's like we're spreading the love globally. Brilliant. Um, (laughs) What are the top things that you tell uh, or you educate people in Singapore about? Is it the deal analysis? Is it the mindset? Is it about the country demographics? What are the key elements that they're most interested in hearing about or you think that helps flick that switch in their mind
1: yeah what a great question um but where do i start there's so many (laughs) things you know but i think the biggest switch to flick is is what you mentioned earlier at at the start about people invest in property and and they're so used to waiting for it to go up in value and sell it unfortunately you know just the 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 context has shifted the government in singapore has like i don't know six seven or more rounds of cooling measures designed so that you know, the, the the policy is designed so that property doesn't appreciate more than, you know, one, two, three percent a year. So if right. you're investing for capital appreciation, you know, you've got your, the, the whole government and the policy against you. Uh, at the same time, um, it doesn't work for cash flow. So people don't immediately re- recognize that, oh, you mean I can rent rent out a property and it gives me the rent is enough to cover my mortgage and the outgoings and I still get a profit. I think once they see that, they're like, OK, tell me where can I find a deal like that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mind blown at that point. Okay. That's really, that's interesting. All right. So the key people in your team that are helping you, I mean, Mm. you're not on right move or zoopla trying to find these deals, right? Mm. Um, You're living your life in Singapore. Who, Who brings these deals to you?
1: Yeah. So I, I mentioned about the team earlier. So, I mean, we work with a, a, a team of sourcing agents and yeah. um, over, over the years, you know, we've built very good relationships with, uh, a lot of them have become friends and they are actually helping my clients now find deals in, you know, investment hotspots in this, these areas as well. So it, it basically, it's uh, like I mentioned, the eyes, the, the ears and the ground, because, you know, all the best deals are not going to be going on to in, in singapore the property guru equivalents or the right moves right this is all going to go out to the, the private network of investors like yourself and myself and then we are like you know either we take the deal if if nobody takes the deal then it goes onto these public portals so i think that that is a big part of what enables us to invest remotely in fact that's a great opportunity for for your uk listeners caroline uh if someone is starting out and they want to think of how could they source properties find good deals there's yeah. going to be lots of synergy because they you know it's, it's basically a global arbitrage as you say right because there's lots of great deals in the uk and there's lots of hunger uh, lots of capital in, in other parts of the world that are looking to you know for a good use for the money yeah yeah so there's a great exactly. opportunity there right there
0: okay brilliant so what are your plans for the next 12 months what's your key strategy you started with hmos have you always stuck with hmos have you ventured into other strategies
1: Yeah, primarily, it's HMOs, you know, I just love the cash flow. (laughs) And if it works, you know, you just keep doing the same thing, isn't it? It's it's just like a factory and it's just churning it out. And I love the predictability of it, right? I like my investments to be boring. Um, I like it that I know exactly how much I'm going to get. And, you know, with the money that you get, then you live your exciting life. It's not the other way around. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think in terms of property, uh, a big part of our focus is also working with social enterprises, uh, where we we house vulnerable tenants. We um, it could be single mothers, and basically it's about restoring. Uh, houses to homes. So we buy properties that are, may not be in great condition. We do it up such that it's comfortable, you know, to a standard where I might be comfortable living it myself. Yeah. Uh, and then we provide a home for these people. And the win-win part of it is that these these organizations are funded by the UK government. So, yeah. you know, it's happy days for us because it's three, three, five-year contracts, yeah. uh, which is another great strategy if you're a remote investor because you have no hassle, no voids, uh, you know, no hassle of tenants or, you know, all that kind of things yeah so that is a a strategy that we're actually doing more and more and another personal mission uh, uh, for myself in this year is to help a thousand uh investors in singapore be able to gain access you know educate them let them be able to you know access the opportunities in the uk so yeah i might be sending some your way caroline
0: wow okay a thousand people all right so how do people get in touch with you then to you know be educated by you or helped and in Singapore, how would they do that?
1: Awesome. Uh, well they can they can head to our website, Bonpurdierich.com. Um, yeah and I'll pass you my social media handle so you you have that as well but I mean a big part of you know what keeps me awake what keeps me alive you know when I wake up even if it's the last day of of, uh, on earth that, that keeps me alive is living this life to the full right and property or passive income is just a means to an end I have great clarity that you know I'm on a mission to be able to transform lives buy back time for people because in Singapore they trade so much time for money the energies and they only give what is left, you know, at the end of a long day to their family? When I yeah. truly believe that we should give what is best, you know, to the people that, that we love the most, yeah. And of course, spending time with my my lovely children and my wife. I think that that is a big common priority that you know we both have, yeah.
0: I know, because when we met, I don't think either of us had any children, right? Yeah, not yet. <laughs> and which is great because we got our asset bases in place first before they, we then got the liabilities of the kids. Was. <laughs> yes. is exactly what Robert Kiyosaki taught us to do, which is get the assets first, then get the liabilities.
1: Yeah, the that. children are a long-term asset. Yeah, in one yeah. day they will be.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Get them, the, you know, learning about how to make income as early as possible, right? Cool, yeah. so you are, you're in our Facebook community uh, group as well, so people can connect with you there. Um, obviously, we're on, on YouTube here, so you can share that with um, your community out in Singapore so people can uh, meet you. It's been brilliant speaking to you today, Daniel. Is there anything else you'd like to share if you had, let's say, top tips or books that you've read, anything <laughs> that would uh, maybe help someone to, with their mindset or get started? Top tips from Daniel Sim.
1: Right. Uh, I'll share one and and maybe I'll ask you, Caroline, to share, you know, what is a word of advice you have for investors in Asia as well? Uh, So, I mean, if if it's a a book that I read, uh, one thing that really shifted my mind, and I know you love this book as well, is The Slight Mm Edge by Jeff Olson. That is the only, you know, time or 24 hours a day is the only resource that everybody has the same amount of, regardless of, you could be Joe Biden, you could be a president, you could be you could be Caroline or Daniel, or any investor listening onto to this podcast, we all have that same 24 hours a day. So the question is, what, do, what are you doing with each hour, each day that you have, right? To me, I really believe it is gift, uh, and how you spend your time is how you live your life. So if you're thinking about getting into property, learning about property, stop thinking, right? You have to do it, take action. Uh, and that's how you get started right we all got started by you know taking that first baby step and and one thing led to another.
0: Love that I love that so my top tip for people out in Asia thinking about investing in property well most of it in my experience of training out in Asia for the last it must be uh, nine years or so I think um, was they were unaware of the opportunity So I think it's just a case of making sure you put yourself in the right kind of network or reading the right kind of books or just exploring opportunities out with the environment you're so used to being in. Right. So whenever I've been out in Singapore, um, it's more about people thinking, hang on a minute, like I've only ever lived my life and thought about investing here in Singapore or maybe Australia. They love to think about investing in Australia. And there, because it's closest to them, but an actual fact, if you think further afield, open your mind slightly wider, you'll meet people like Daniel and we, well, there's lots of other people out in our community, right, that do exactly yeah. the same as you out in Singapore that are making incredible successes. Um, and start speaking to people who are doing what you'd like to do. And that is really, I think, the key that's surrounding yourself with people that um, facilitate, help, encourage, rather than... Mm. All the negative downsides of it the worry aspects the fear yeah yeah Yeah.
1: that's such a great one and a lot of people take advice from people who are not investing in property which blows my (laughs) mind (laughs) that's a top tip thank you for that caroline
0: yeah exactly great well i'll let you get to bed now because i think this is quite late where you are but listen best of luck with all your property investments over the next 12 months and um i'm sure our listeners will want to reach out and uh, hear more about what you're doing out there in singapore thank you daniel
1: Sure. Happy to share and look forward to catching up with you uh, when we can all fly again.
0: Yes, hopefully. See you soon. Absolutely. Take care. I'm sure you'll all agree that was a brilliant episode from Daniel sharing just how his hunger to succeed helped him create a different lifestyle for himself, his wife Joanna and their two children. I love how he overcame his fear of investing in a different country even after he bought a bad investment in Malaysia. The fact he can raise money from his friends and family who may never have even been to the UK shows how his knowledge of his investment market and strategy fills his investors with confidence to work with him. I loved it. You can connect with Daniel, another like-minded investor Within the Property Wealth System Facebook community page, as well as find him on Instagram. I look forward to bringing you more great content again soon.